Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He is the co-host. His name is Padawan J. If I sound like I've lost a few years off my life, it's because I have. Thank you, Team USA Soccer. Uh, but we'll get to that later in the show. Yeah, I just caught the highlight, so if I'm yelling into the microphone, I'm super amped up about this. Very rarely do I get amped up about soccer, but I tell you what, the World Cup hits, and I'm all in for Team USA. So definitely, I will try keeping at a major good level, shall we yeah, say. Yeah. I'm trying to find a good, nice way to say it, but listen, I'm just amped up to talk to everybody because you are tuned into the sports edition of the ODPH, and we definitely want to interact with you. So make sure to swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on the social media accounts. They're all right there for the most part on the front page. Hive, we're still trying to add, but we're on there because that's a new Twitter. So mm-hmm. if you need anything, it's always in our link tree and on every single bio that you can click on on any social media account. We try to make it that easy for you. How how easier can we do it, Pad? I don't know. I don't know either. But also on the front page of the website, you can check out the T Public store, which has a sale going on for a limited time only. So you definitely want to get advantage of those sales. The Patreon link. Shout out to all our amazing patrons. All our amazing patrons. I, I can't stress it enough. It blows me away to get supported like this on that level by such amazing people. So if you want to find out about that, we have the link to them. And we also have the link to sign up so you can join the Parlay Club. One dollar or one tier, two dollars. And, man, a lot of content on the way. See, this is when I get so amped up I need to tone it down because I love talking about this. Along with the Parlay Points blog section. Along with the Classified section, which has friends of this show, such as 3FN Podcasts, Organizational Link Support, and Black Lives Matter, and a lot of other great content on there as well. Also, the directory. Pat, how many providers are we on? Uh, 129,000. Sounds about right to me. I'm not going to dispute them. So for anything and everything that is the ODPH, simply found at odphpodcast.com. And always remember on social media, use the hashtag ODPHpod. Kicking off the sports edition of the show. It's the NFL season, so obviously we talk the NFL all day, every day here. Mm-hmm. And we do our Locks and Leaps breakdown, which we have the current standings up on our Facebook page. So if you want to find out how we got there, well, it's simple. You got to swing on over there and check it out. But, Pad, why don't we kick it off recapping the week that was with your lock? Yeah, so my lock was the Kansas City Chiefs to beat the L.A. Rams because, well, duh. Reasons. <laughs> well, duh. Yeah. Uh, and you, they did. Uh, Kansas City winning by the final score of 26-10. to 10. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, 27 of 42, 320 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. Bryce Perkins uh, starting because uh, Matthew Stafford did not start and might not start for the rest of the season. Time, I'm fine with that. Time will tell. Uh, Bryce Perkins, 13 of 23 for 100 yards passing, one touchdown, two interceptions. Uh, Interestingly enough, Bryce Perkins also led Los Angeles in rushing. uh, Nine carries for 44 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco uh, led for Kansas City, 22 carries on 69 yards. Nice. uh, One touchdown. Travis Kelsey led for uh, receiving for Kansas City, four catches, 57 yards, one touchdown. Uh, And then Van Jefferson led for Los Angeles with three catches, 29 yards, and only one touchdown. There really isn't a lot to recap here other than the question I will pose to Pat. Obviously, we are in week 12 of the NFL. Mm -hmm. Do you feel confident in saying that Kansas City is the clear-cut Super Bowl favorite? 
No, I mean they're in the discussion, but am I am I sitting here going these are the guys that are going to do- no, I I just no. They're they're close, but no. I agree with you. And the reason I bring this up is after this game, there was a lot of internet chatter that was saying crown them. <sighs> and I'm going They're good. They're good. Don't get me wrong, but do I think they're there? I don't necessarily know. They might be. They're they're in that conversation. Like they're in the upper elite of the NFL. They might be. I mean, how many years did we did we watch Peyton Manning go ten and 0, 11 and 0, 12 and 0, 13 and 0, which felt like every other fucking year mm-hmm. before he inevitably lost a game and then wouldn't make it to the Super Bowl. You know, there's just so many intangibles that you just don't know from regular season to postseason. And and you can have one of the greatest offenses in NFL history and land absolute fucking dud the first you know game you play in the playoffs whether it's wild card weekend or divisional round Mm -hmm. it's a weird scenario to see play out but i do understand why they've shifted up into that number one overall pick to win and i understand a couple you know sites are really going heavy in on kansas city they're looking like the kansas city of old and what i mean by this is patrick mahomes is playing at an elite level yep him and travis kelsey have not fallen off did we think the loss of Tyreek Hill this season would hurt them? Yes. To a degree. Has it? Not, not really. As, not as badly as we thought it was going not really. to. And it's not to say that his wide receiver core, somebody stepped up and really emerged. No. But Mahomes has adapted. And this is what all the greats do. They adapt to this offense that they're given. They make it work. Right. And, and I think what he adapted to, I agree with you 100%, I, what I think he adapted to is, you know, Tyree Kill or Travis Kelsey would have those monster numbers where it's like north of 50 yards receiving, multiple touchdowns, and like less than 10 fucking catches. But he's spreading the ball around more. I mean, every receiver that got a catch in this game was in double figures. Travis Kelsey at 57, like I mentioned. Uh, Valdez Scantling, 56. Smith Schuster, 38. Sky Moore, 36. Justin Watson, 26. Jody uh, Fortson, 26. Uh, Jarek McKinnon, 26. Ronald Jones, 22. Isaiah Pacheo, 17. Noah Gray, 16. Like yeah. that, If that ain't spread the ball around, I don't know what is. And that's what he is reminding me of a Aaron Rodgers prototype yeah. here. Yeah. And what I mean by that is he has learned how to really spread the ball around. Like he's not so focused in on Travis Kelsey where in years past that was his go-to. Like you know mm-hmm. it was locked and loaded like he'd go there. A la Brady and Gronk. And there's nothing wrong with it. If it's working, why break it? Right. But now he's really had to adapt because Kelsey is getting a lot more coverage from the defenses. And he's waiting on somebody to really step up and fill in that Tyreek Hill role. And it hasn't happened yet. And you can't really do that. Mm-hmm. Hill's speed is what sets him apart from every other wide receiver. Yeah. yeah, It's not that he runs routes great. It's not that he can catch anything. He can just outburn you down the field. We don't have this on Kansas City right now. No. Like, Smith-Schuster is okay. So Scaling's pretty good. Scaling's okay. Yeah, but when you're talking about somebody that's going to take over a game... Other than Kelsey, it's just not there. No. But this is where Mahomes has stepped up and really adapted. And this is where they're going to really start looking scary if they stay on this pace. Taking care of a Rams team that, let's face it, is a shell of themselves Mm -hmm. is nothing really to write home about. Like if the Rams upset Kansas City, that's the bigger story. But this is just another day at the office. Yeah. I'm personally glad that if Stafford's done, he's going to get the surgery he needs and, and he's going to go 
be stronger for next year. Yeah. That's what I'm hoping. I don't know yeah. how long he's going to be out for, but I think that at this stage, you're three and eight, just deactivate anybody that's really needing some work done and let them get that work. You don't need to rush it. You can play for the draft and just, you know, go out there and see who's going to try, you know, earn in a roster spot next year. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much over and done with, you know, for the L.A. Rams, just because you look at uh, Allen Robinson, the second one of their wide receivers placed on injured reserve today as we record uh, because of a foot injury. So he's he's done for the year. Uh, You know, you've got Aaron Donald, you know, he's got a potential high ankle sprain. You know, issue he's got going on, and Cooper Cup obviously on injury reserve. Mm-hmm. You know, he's expected to miss multiple week, upwards of eight weeks. You know, after he underwent surgery uh, last week. So, you know, so you're you're down your number one defensive player, two of your number two of your best wide receivers. Your quarterback is out until Lord knows when. You're done for there. Just just if they're hurt, shut them down. Figure out what you got in the in the second string and third string, and reevaluate for next year. Yeah, that's exactly what they should do. There's nothing worth sacrificing your starters for long term injury at this point. Mm-hmm. Sorry, the season is done. Uh, there's no nice way to put it. It's a wrap. Play if you need a roster spot for next year. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. Listen, there's no shame in bowing out at the, at this stage. No, none. And obviously looking at the schedules moving forward. Yeah, so the Kansas City Chiefs are playing the Cincinnati Bengals this upcoming Sunday. That's uh, going to be a great game. That's in Kansas City. Uh, after that, they've got the Denver Broncos, Houston Texans, and Seattle Seahawks. Uh, and then they've got the Denver Broncos again and the Las Vegas Raiders to close out the year. Uh, for the L.A. Rams, they have the Seattle Seahawks this upcoming uh, Sunday. Uh, then they are on Thursday Night Football the following week playing the Las Vegas Raiders. Monday Night Football the week after that playing the Green Bay Packers. And then they've got the Denver Broncos, Los Angeles Chargers on Sunday Night Football, and then the Seattle Seahawks to close out the year. Yeah, so the Rams, well, you just got to get to the finish line. For Kansas City, though... Have they solidified themselves as the number one seed? Jury is still out. I think they're in that upper echelon talk. I will not say that they're not. Oh, yeah, they're they're in the upper echelon. But I'm not ready to crown them just yet, champs. I'm sorry. That defense has looked shaky enough against the caliber teams that Mm -hmm. they're going to be facing in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. I'm not sold they're going to be able to pull this off this year. Yeah. Just just saying. They they mean they could? Absolutely. But I just don't see it. So then let's flip it to my lock. Mm -hmm. And I went with a safe pick. Because, obviously, when you're talking about the Philadelphia Eagles, Mm -hmm. they're really hitting on all cylinders right now. And, obviously, this game was a little dicey. But this is one that we needed to see what Jalen Hurts was made of. He stepped up to the plate. Boy, did he ever. Gritty win. Let's talk about it. Yeah, so the Philadelphia Eagles won by the final score of 40-33. to 33. Jalen Hurts had 16-28 of 28 for 153 yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Aaron Rodgers, 11-16 for 140 yards passing, two touchdowns, two interceptions. A.J. Dillon led for Green Bay in rushing with eight carries, 64 yards, one touchdown. Jalen Hurts led for Philadelphia rushing with 17 carries, 157 yards, zero touchdowns. Oh, by the way, Miles Sanders also had 21 carries, 143 yards rushing and two touchdowns. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, Philadelphia receiving was led by Devontae Smith uh, with four catches, 50 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, Right behind him, A.J. Brown, four catches, 46 yards, and one touchdown. And then for Green Bay, uh, Christian Watson led for Green Bay with uh, four catches, 110 yards, and one touchdown. I think in the MVP talk, Jalen Hurts has to be in that conversation Uh if he's not the clear-cut front runner right now. I'm sorry. This was 
what Philly needed to really solidify that they're the team to beat. I think that we kind of went in the season thinking, okay, Philly's been on a nice win streak, yeah. had a terrible loss. How are they going to bounce back? This was a gritty win, mm-hmm. and this is something that they needed to do because, let's face it, Aaron Rodgers is still Aaron Rodgers, albeit though he was taken out, he's on injured, he might not come back, he might not come back at all. Like he might be that might have been his last game. Not saying the severity of the injury, right, but right. there's a lot of different factors going on with Green Bay, but we'll get to that in a bit. Jalen Hurts stepped up on primetime and really balled out yeah, he and really willed that team to win. The fact that he got 157 yards rushing mm-hmm. is insane. Barkers. Is absolutely insane. And the fact that he did spread the ball out to his wide receivers. A.J. Brown had a great touchdown. Devontae Smith, he was looking good out there too. He's getting more people involved. Philly's offense is so wide open mm-hmm. that you can't focus on one person to shut down. No, because primarily, and this is from having Jalen Hurts on my one of my fantasy teams, they've kind of they've they've had the run game, but it's been more focused on their offense, you know, up until this point. You know, this was to me the first game where it was like, all right, we're gonna go run heavy, you know, because yeah, okay, he did he attempted twenty eight passes and he completed sixteen of them, one hundred and fifty three yards, two touchdowns. But the fact that you had three hundred and sixty three yards rushing. Most of it between two dudes, and you had 49 attempts or 49 carries, excuse me. Yeah. Shows that, like, yo, we're showing we're not just a one dimensional offense here. No, you're exactly right, Pad. They showed up and they really made this game happen. It was not pretty, though. Green Bay hung in there. Oh, yeah. Even after Aaron Rodgers went down. Like, we have to remember, like, he is out. I believe it's rib injury. Yeah, so reading from the injury report on uh, ESPN.com for the Green Bay Packers, uh, this is as, as of today as we record, he's listed as questionable, and it says, quote, Rogers Ribs said Tuesday on the Pat McAfee show that he got positive results from the scans he underwent Monday and plans to play Sunday against Chicago. Matt uh, Schneidman of the Athletic Reports, close quote. I guess here's my question. We've been saying this entire season Rogers does not look like Rogers. Yeah. He's checked out. Would you say that he should play this Sunday? Uh, well, I'm, let's look at the standings. Currently, they are in third place uh, as we record in the NFC North. Uh, Minnesota leading that division. Detroit in second place with a record of 4-7. and seven, And then the Green Bay Packers are in third place with a record of 4-8. and eight. Let's flip over to the playoff standings as soon as that decides. Well, playoffs? Playoffs, yeah, exactly. Uh, as we record, Green Bay currently has the 11th seed. Uh, and there's a whole long paragraph on why they're the 11th seed, but they're behind Detroit, Atlanta, and Seattle. Um, I, You know, I would say evaluate it, and if he says he's good to go, let him go. You know, he's been in this league long enough. He knows his body probably better than most medical experts do. And, and, and you know what? He's a veteran. He's earned it at this point. You know, sometimes you got to put your faith in the guy. You know, and yes, I understand that there are times, you know, a, a athlete, no matter what sport it is, will kind of fib and say, oh, no, I'm good to go. And when really they're playing with like a busted fucking hand. Mm-hmm. But in this instance, you know, I got to trust him. You know, if, if I'm Matt LaFleur and I'm the folks over in Green Bay, you know what? We'll give you the start. But if things start to go south and you clearly aren't playing to a level we think you should be and you're clearly not 100 percent, then we'll put we'll pull you. See, I'm 50 50 on this. 
I never thought I would say this on air. I would not be super shocked if they sat him. And I think that if they come in there and they really want to see what they got with Jordan Love, this is the time to do it. It's absolutely insane to think about it, but I think they're at this level. I think that Rodgers wasn't playing great to begin with. No. And obviously with the injury, this is just something for him that he's got to really think about his future with. He ain't getting that three-peat, that's for sure. No, he's definitely not. And I think that you have to look at this is going to be the team that you're going to be playing with for the remainder of your career, arguably. In theory. In theory. Is this really worth it to you? Because this entire season, you look like you checked out. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be there. You're just going through the motions. That's what it looks like to me. Why risk it? And if you want to bow out gracefully, there's no shame in this. In all honesty, he's given everything he has to Green Bay. If he doesn't want to be there anymore, don't hold the team hostage, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Bow out. You got enough projects on the outside to keep yourself busy. You've won a Super Bowl. You're going to go down as one of the greats. I don't think he's going to walk midseason just because the hit his, you know, his image would take and be pretty damn. Oh, no, I'm not saying damn he's damn going to retire like tomorrow. No, no, no. But I'm I just... but I think if if he wants to walk at the end of the season, I wouldn't fault him. No, that's what I'm saying. Like if he sits out and that if the team wants to do this, I I know this sounds sacrilegious. I would say give the kid a shot. Let's see what you got with Jordan Love. What have you got to lose? You're in 11th spot for the playoffs. Do you really think you're going to make a run with this team? Well, I mean, let's look at their uh, schedule here. Uh, as we mentioned, they've got Chicago this upcoming Sunday. They're in a bye week in week 14. So, so in all honesty, now, the, now that I'm seeing their schedule, I could see them sitting Rodgers this week, sitting him, and then obviously got the bye week. And then if they're still in a position where they could, with some help, mm-hmm. you know, make a run at the playoffs, bring him back. Because after that, they've got the Rams, Dolphins, Vikings, and Lions. You know, so I could see him sitting him for this game on Sunday, and then you got the bye week. So he, he'll sit for two, two and a half weeks, whatever it is, and then bring him back for the final month of the season. You know, it, bring him back so he's hopefully as close to 100% as you can get when it's in fucking December mm-hmm. in the NFL. You know, but, and, and, but that's all kind of based on the possibility that, like, hey, you're still in it with some help. Yeah, that's what I say. Like, I don't know. Like, if I'm the coach, I think I'd take a shot with the kid. And I know it sounds just absolutely mind-blowing to think about. They got to start thinking about their future. No, they do. And if he doesn't want to be there, then, like, listen, he can sit on the sideline. I mean, look at the Patriots. The Patriots relied on Tom Brady for 20-some-odd years and didn't really plan for the future. They just kept trading their backup quarterbacks away and like, burned them in the ass for a season. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the problem that they, they have. In all honesty, as happy as I am to get Mac Jones, we got fucking lucky. Oh, you did. You absolutely did. There's no question about that. But I think for Green Bay, you really got to take a look at your future and say, okay, is it time now? I mean, Love did not play that bad. No, uh, and just for kind of an interesting little tidbit, uh, as we record, Green Bay is currently favored by four points. Well, still, they, well, they have no faith in Chicago because I think yeah. Fields is still banged up enough. But I tell you what, if Green Bay loses to Chicago and Rodgers is starting, I could see them making the switch. Yeah, then you, then you might see it. And that's going to be a tough pill to swallow. So. Yeah. That's why I say I'm not doubting them making the the stop now, because Rodgers is going to try going. Now give him the give him the time off and see what you got with the kid, and then if you got to plug him in, then you can plug him in. But I think right yeah. now, it's a bad move, and I think just Green Bay's season is just going from bad to worse. Uh, and then looking at the Eagles' schedule, they've got the Tennessee Titans this upcoming Sunday. Then they've got the New York Giants, the Chicago Bears, the Dallas Cowboys, 
New Orleans Saints, and then the New York Giants uh, to close out the regular season. Those Giants games are going to be really interesting uh-huh. to watch. That's going to be some real fun football. Uh-huh. But you can't take anything away from Philly. They're looking great right now. Yeah, they are. So I think that that's your clear-cut number one, and then you kind of go from there. So we'll have to see what happens. Uh-huh. Next up is your leap. Yeah, and I chose the New England Patriots to beat the Minnesota Vikings, uh, which they did not, of course, with some added help from the referees. Yeah. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings beat the Patriots by the final score of 33-26. to 26. Uh, Kirk Cousins, 30 of 37 for 299 yards passing, three touchdowns, one interception. Mac Jones, 28 of 39 for 382 yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson led for the Patriots in rushing, seven carries, 36 yards, no touchdowns. Dalvin Cook led for Minnesota, 22 carries, 42 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, Devontae Parker led New England with receiving with four catches, 80 yards, no touchdowns. And then Justin Jefferson uh, had nine catches, 139 yards passing, and one touchdown. Obviously, Justin Jefferson was the big differential in this game for the Minnesota Vikings. We couldn't stop him if we had the entire secondary covering that man. My issue with this is kind of the the shitty officiating on both sides in both directions mm-hmm. from the NFL. On that was very clear cut. Uh, the the officiating in this was absolute bullshit. And tell hey refs, tell me you don't know what's a catch and what's not a catch without telling me. Mm-hmm. Because there was that second touchdown that uh, what was it? Uh, Henry. Hunter, Hunter Henry should have had that. They're like, well, it's not a touchdown because of X, Y, and Z. When Travis Kelsey had a similar fucking touchdown yep. a couple of years ago, if not last year, and y'all called that a touchdown then, yeah, cut the bullshit. Yeah, that's the one thing. The officiating in this game was not good on both sides. Oh, yeah. But when you're coming down to a crucial play like they did with Henry, mm-hmm. it's very clear cut yeah. that they missed that call. Yeah, they did. They blew it. Whatever reasons, listen, it is what it is. But this was a situation that the Patriots should have got that break. They didn't. Yep. Minnesota got lucky. Yep. I, I know. It, I know their record's nine and two, but I just don't right. look at this team like a nine they're, and two team. They're a nine and two team, but they've got like a negative points differential. Yeah, which is fucking insane. And and listen, if it was just a case of like the the officiating was a little more fair than it was during this game, and it was just a simple fact of Justin Jefferson burned our ass, which mm-hmm. let's face it, he did. You know, I'm not going to try and take anything away from Justin Jefferson. He burned our fucking ass. But if it was just a case of like, hey, Justin Jefferson burned our ass, hey, that's the game. Shit, yeah. shit happens. But the fact that you had multiple calls on both sides of the field, you know, that kind of took away from this and really left the, the outcome of the game up in the air. Like, you know, yeah, Justin Jefferson burned our ass. But if it wasn't for these like handful of plays throughout the game, who knows what would have happened? Yeah, that's the whole thing about it. That There's too much of a variables that came down to the referee's decision. And I'd like you should never have that be a factor no. in a game. You should never have this. And this is coming from a Bills fan. That granted, the Patriots losing is always a good day for me, but losing like this is not good. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I think the game got taken away from him. Yeah. And like I said, Minnesota does not look like a nine and two team. Like you no. take a look at them compared to Philly. You take a look at them compared to Kansas City, to Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Buffalo gave them all they could handle. But this team just really does not strike fear in me getting in the playoffs. Like, I could see them lose in first round. So, uh, look, second, looking at the standings, in terms of differential, uh, point differential with the NFL, so that's, you know, points, uh, what is it? It's, it's points for, total points for, and then points, like total points against. They have got a point differential of point, or plus five. Now, let's go through some of the other division leaders. Uh, you've got the Miami Dolphins, who are currently a plus 26. Buffalo is a plus 110. 
Uh, Baltimore is currently a plus 48. Uh, you've got the Kansas City Chiefs, which are a plus 83. Philadelphia Eagles are a plus 87. Uh, then you've got the NFC South, which is all in the negatives. Yeah, that's a whole different ball of wax. And then the NFC West, which you've got the uh, 49ers, which are a plus 76. Yet you've got the the Minnesota Vikings over here, 9-2. and two, One of the best records in the NFC, in the entire NFL. And they're like only scoring five more points on their opponents. Yeah, I, I hate saying it's weird. I hate saying a paper champion, but that's kind of what it's looking like, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I just I don't see it. And I'm, I'm granted, I have nothing against Minnesota. I just look at this team going, you guys are sneaking by and getting lucky where it counts, Yep, which is great. I hope you have this luck moving forward through the playoffs. I just fear that what's going to happen to you is you're going to come up against a San Francisco in that playoff. Mm-hmm. You're going to come up against a Philadelphia, hell, even a Dallas. And you're going to get exposed. That's the problem. Because you're winning games that you should not be winning. This isn't a clear-cut team. That might be the word of the show today, mm-hmm. clear-cut. This is not one that really strikes fear in me when I see them. They're playing no. very solid. But if it comes down to Kirk Cousins winning in a shootout against some of those elite quarterbacks. I was going to say, if it's like a minute and a half left and change, one timeout, and you got to go 70, 80 yards down the field, and i got to put my faith in Kirk Cousins, yikes, I'm not feeling good. Yeah, I'm not feeling, I'm not feeling that at all. So if you're Minnesota, I mean, celebrate. Yeah. There's nothing to take away from it. Yeah. You're 9-2. and two. I just think that you need to have a lot more consistency and not get the calls flipped your way mm-hmm. to really feel confident about going to those playoffs. Like you're probably going to be the number two seed. Let's face it. They currently are the number two seed. Yeah. I mean, but you look at their their schedule and just who they played. Okay, they beat the Patriots. They got hosed the week prior against Dallas. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they beat Buffalo, which, hey, let's face it, can happen on any given that Sunday. That could have gone either way. Any given Sunday. They beat Washington, which they should have. Bum, 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 bum. They beat Arizona, which they should have. Yeah. You know, they beat Miami, which, hey, Miami, that's that's a pretty good win for, for them. Yeah, that's a solid win. You know, they beat Chicago, which... Division. They should win, but they still should division. win division game. They beat New Orleans. They barely beat New Orleans, twenty-eight twenty-five. Which y'all, you should have beaten New Orleans by a lot more than that. Yeah, uh, you know. And then they beat Detroit, which again division, but you know, still should have beat them. You know, they lost to Philly, and then they beat Green Bay. Yeah, it's a wild scenario to think about, but this is something that they're going to need to really lock in on if they're going to make a run. Yeah, for the Patriots, I mean, it's a bad loss. Yeah, but one that was taken out of their hands. But it is what it is. Can they bounce back and make a run for that last playoff spot? We'll see. We'll have to see. Uh, looking at the schedules for the Minnesota Vikings, they've got the New York Jets this upcoming Sunday. Then they've got the Detroit Lions, the Indianapolis Colts, uh, the New York Giants, the Green Bay Packers, and then the Chicago Bears. Uh, and then for the Patriots, they've got the Buffalo Bills for their first. Uh, yes, folks, we're in December, and the Bills are finally playing the Patriots. Crazy. Uh, on this upcoming Thursday, uh, fun fact, the Patriots are wearing their throwback red uniforms. Breaking out those things. Yay. Uh, then you've, they've got the Arizona Cardinals on Mon- uh, Monday Night Football, the Las Vegas Raiders on Sunday Night Football. Then they've got the Bengals, Dolphins, and then the Bills to close out the season. It's going to be an interesting time to see how everybody shapes up for the playoff run, but mm-hmm. December is going to get wild yeah. in a hurry. Yeah. Speaking of wild, let's talk about my leap because this game turned out to be more wild than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. And granted, I came out on the right side of my picks – because I took Pittsburgh. Jeff Saturday. Uh, did you leave your watch at home? Yeah. I'm just saying. I I think the coaching experiment might have backfired a little bit. For a week, anyway. Yeah, for a week. But I will say this. Indianapolis is playing very hard for him. Mm-hmm. So that's a good sign if you're thinking about retaining him. But let's yeah. be honest. 
we have to see what happens. But, Pat, let's break down this game. Yeah, so the Pittsburgh Steelers won by the final score of 24-17. to 17. Kenny Pickett, 20 of 28 for 174 yards passing, no touchdowns or interceptions. Matty Ryan, 22 of 34, 199 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. Jonathan Taylor led Indianapolis for rushing with 20 carries, 86 yards, one touchdown. Uh, Benny Snell Jr. led Pittsburgh with rushing for 12 carries, 62 yards, and one touchdown. George Pickens uh, led Pittsburgh for receiving three catches, 57 yards, no touchdowns. And then uh, Jelani Woods led Indianapolis for receiving with eight catches, 98 yards, and no touchdowns. Well, not really a lot to write home about with this game. Pittsburgh jumped on him early. Uh huh. Pickett looked serviceable. Yeah. Didn't look great, but he looked serviceable. He's a stopgap until you find your next quarterback. Well, you know what the thing is? They burned that, what, number one draft pick on him? Yeah. That's the thing. Like, Pittsburgh does not do stopgaps like that. I agree with you, though. Like, as of right now, I'm not sold that he is the heir apparent to Roethlisberger. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I just, I don't see it in him. No. I know it's a rebuilding year, but this team is not playing like typical Steelers football. No. The run game is not looking great between Harris and Snell. No. I'm sorry. Like I, I agree. Snell got 62 yards, but still this did not look like Steelers football. Harris, I think, is just having a down year, which it could be a sophomore slump. It could be, but the, the thing about it is teams are are locking in on him. Yeah. Because you have a rookie quarterback. If you take out the running back, the next target that you're going to need to focus on is the tight end. Their tight end doesn't scare me no, at all. No, no. So you're making Pickett beat you, and, well, clearly he's not being able to pick up that speed as of yet. Yeah. Not saying I'm ruling him out like Zach Wilson, but I'm saying he hasn't done enough to really say he's the guy. Right. And granted, he was facing the most boring team in football. Even with Jeff Saturday there, they're yeah. still the most boring team yeah. in football. Yeah. And they almost blew this. But this is also coming down to Jeff Saturday making a couple bad decisions. Yeah. And not managing the clock too well. Hey, he admitted, I screwed up the clock management. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's a good thing that he admitted to it. But this Zach is, Wilson, take notes. Yeah. Take some ownership. Because you know what? those The team is playing very hard for him. Yeah. At least Jonathan Taylor looks like Jonathan Taylor again. Yeah. I will say that. That's a it's big Not the move. numbers he was putting up, but hey, 86 yards uh, ain't, ain't too bad. No, right. And, but Matt Ryan, I'm sorry, the best days have gone by. Oh, God, yeah. He, oh God, did, yeah. like, I understand that he was trying to make that comeback late in the fourth, and I was like, this is not happening. I'm starting to wonder if there ain't some sort of curse on Indianapolis quarterbacks that, like, once Peyton Manning left, the, you know, the Colts would be doomed for, like, two decades with terrible quarterbacks. Because they've had some, you know, Andrew Luck was okay. Luck was okay. Luck but... was okay, but, like, he never really got him any place. And every other quarterback they've had is just, like, either somebody they thought would be good and wasn't or a washed-up former quarterback who is in the twilight of his career. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the problem that they have in Indianapolis, like this is just me outside looking in, they haven't done what Indianapolis did best mm-hmm. in those 90s, 2000s. Mm-hmm. They didn't build through the draft. True. And I'm not saying they're panicking, but I'm saying if you take a look at those great teams that Tony Dungy was coaching, right? and you had Manning and Harrison and Edger and James and, you know, like – the lineage of players that had Reggie Wayne and yeah Marvin Harrison yeah like they had all those great players yeah but they didn't really go out and go get free agents right with the exception of the Jonathan Taylor mm-hmm. and Quentin Nelson yeah the greatest lineman to ever live according to Coach Duffy <laughs> they've gone out and traded for players signed in free agency like they've been doing some stuff that is not typical Colts football and I think. 
it's now coming back to haunt them because they're may might not publicly say it, but in my opinion, they're feeling a little pressure of the shadow of the Manning legacy on them. Could be that okay, we had this great run that we we're always perennial Super Bowl contenders. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we got there, sometimes we didn't. Reasons. You haven't had that in so long. Yeah. The people are starting to forget you had great years. It's a weird thing in this day and age, but we've talked about this on here in the entertainment show. It's like the Detroit Pistons in the NBA. Yeah. Like, you're great today, you're forgotten tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And that is something that you're seeing now with this team because they're not putting up a lot of points. They're not really being flashy. They do have Jonathan Taylor, which has been the diamond in the rough for this franchise. Yeah. But if you take a look at that rest of the roster, mm-hmm. nobody is scaring you. No. And you're ha- and you're honestly answering a lot of those questions with who? Yeah. I mean, the only person I would even consider fantasy-wise is Pittman Jr., but like as a wide receiver three or four. Yeah. Or even in the flex. Like, if I need a flex guy for the week because I don't like the other options I have on my bench or, or in my starting roster... You know, I might give Pittman a look, but it, but is it exactly striking me fear when I look at that preview for the week of fantasy football matchups? Absolutely not. And I go, holy shit, my opponent's got Pittman Jr. No. No, you're not seeing that dominant force that used to come in and really give teams problems. Yeah. I'm sorry, you're not. And if you can shut down Jonathan Taylor, you have a you're very good. good chance of winning. Like, I'm sorry. Like, this is what it is. So for the Colts... I don't know what the end game is. Mm-hmm. I really don't. The whole Jeff Saturday coaching hire is just mind-blowing to me in all the wrong reasons. But I do admit, though, and I've said this time and time again, they're playing very hard for him. Like, they really like playing for Saturday. Yeah. Maybe, just maybe, you give him another chance. I don't know. Me, personally, I wouldn't at this stage. I mean, the guy's 1-3 in, in his first three games in the NFL. We'll see how the rest of the season goes. But if, if you're asking me to make a choice now... No, I I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't hire him in a full-time position. But I'm also not the owner of the Indianapolis Colts who appears to make decisions based on his feelings and not what should be done. I no, I'll grant you that. Looking at the ske- the wins and losses, yeah, you can't do that. But the one thing I've been looking at is prior to him coming there. Sure. How are they looking? And you have to think they're 4, 7 and 1. Mm-hmm. Since he's been there it's 1 and 3. Yeah. But in those games were they blown out? Were they contending? There was a new energy with him there mm-hmm. that got them going. Like, that's the key thing I look at that. And if you're going to actually put some faith in him, give him a start of a season to run with it. Yeah. Because you know you're probably going to have a high draft pick. Let's, let's be honest about it. Yeah. Can you go find some diamonds in the rough with the current GM and current coach and try making something happen. That's the big question mark you have with Indianapolis because obviously this felt like the movie Major League when they signed him. I'm sorry, I'm going to put it out there right there. Yeah. They were trying to get secure the number one pick because this is just completely bonkers to go get somebody from a commentating booth and say, here's a runner franchise. Like, it just doesn't add up. No. But, but the team is reacting to him. So they're not going to make the playoffs, arguably. No. I, I can't see it. But I'll tell you what, if they can keep winning or contending like this, maybe he stays. I don't think he does, No, but I will say maybe. But we have to wait and see. Yeah, uh, Looking at the schedules for the Pittsburgh Steelers, they have the Atlanta Falcons coming up on Sunday. Then they've got the Baltimore Ravens, Carolina Panthers, uh, Las Vegas Raiders, 
Baltimore Ravens again, and then the Cleveland Browns to close out the regular season. Uh, and for the Indianapolis Colts, they have got, oh boy, they've got the Dallas Cowboys this upcoming Sunday on Sunday Night Football. They've got a bye week in Week 14. And then to close out the year, they've got the Minnesota Vikings, Los Angeles Chargers on Monday Night Football, the New York Giants, and then the Houston Texans to close out the regular season. It's going to be a wild ride to the finish line, mm-hmm. to say the least. All right, that being said, let's go make a quick lap around the league. Short statements on the gamepad. Kick us off. Uh, yeah, so we'll start with the first game that took place on the Thanksgiving Day slate of games, and that was the Buffalo Bills defeating the Detroit Lions 28-25. to Really close game. You knew Detroit was going to ball out. Uh, good to see Josh Allen have a bounce-back game. Yeah. Was not the greatest thing to watch, uh, but the Bills pulled it off, and Josh looked like Josh of old. After a fight on the sidelines happened with Stephon Dix. Oh, boy. Or not with him, but with the coach. Like, you saw yeah. that heated conversation. Oh. And I don't know what got said in that locker room, but he was back to Josh of old. So, hopefully that carries through this week. Uh, you had the Dallas Cowboys beat the New York Giants 28-20 to in the highest-rated regular season NFL game in history. 42 million people watched that game. It's scary to think, but this Cowboys team showed flashes of brilliance. Mm-hmm. And could actually make a run in the in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I'm not fully sold on that, but I'm going to say the Giants gave them a really tough challenge as any division team would. So we'll have to wait to see how this all shakes up. But good win for Dallas. Good win for Dallas. Also, I forget who scored the touchdown, uh, but kudos to whoever on Dallas. And if anyone in Dallas can relay this message, please do. Kudos to whoever came up with that whack-a-mole touchdown celebration. Oh, geez, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was the funniest shit I've seen in years. Yeah, that was. Oh it. my god, I was. Dying. That was epic. That was incredible. Uh, for the Sunday games, you had the uh, Cleveland Browns beat the uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers by the final score of 23-17. to Fun fact, going into this game on Sunday, when Tom Brady was up seven points or more with two minutes or less in the game, he was 218-0. and After Sunday's game, he is now 218-1. and Great win for Jacoby Brissett. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, he's now turning over the reins to Deshaun Watson. Oh, yeah. Tom Brady looked old. Yeah, he did. And Tom Brady might be joining Aaron Rodgers on the offseason. Well, that's if that's if you buy what he's saying. He might not be. We'll see. Yeah, we'll wait and I'd see. rather be playing here and losing than be retired. I'm sure. But, you yeah, know, okay. if, you're, if you're not playing enough to snuff, I'm yeah, sorry. Okay. Any team will be smart to cut you. Yeah. Uh, you had the Cincinnati Bengals beat the Tennessee Titans by a final score of 20-16. to 16. Okay, so this game with the Bengals. Pad, can you call up the, their schedule? Uh, for who, the Bengals? Bengals. How yes. many wins in a row have they put together? I want to say it's five. Oh, uh, Give me two seconds. I got their page up. Because this is a great win for Cincinnati. Jamar Chase is slated to be back this week. Ooh. And they are starting to win quietly. Uh, that is three wins in a row. Uh, they did lose to Cleveland back on uh, Halloween. Uh, but prior to that, they had won another two games. So out of their last one. Five to six. Five, so they've won five out of six. They're getting good at the right time. Yeah. Am I going to say they're going to make a deep run again? I don't know. Maybe. But I'm going to say this. With Chase coming back as it's slated to be. Now, this could change, obviously, before the next game. If he's back in that lineup... This team is getting hot at the right time. Mm-hmm. And if they get sneak in the playoff spot, don't doubt them making some noise. Mm-hmm. Don't doubt it. Uh, you had the Miami Dolphins beat the Houston Texans 30-15. to Ugh. <laughs> What can you say about this one? I mean, Miami's looking good. It's a good game from Tua. 299, one touchdown. 
pretty good game. Take it as a win. Uh, you had the New York Jets beat the Chicago Bears by the final score of thirty-one to ten, breaking the streak of the coin flip. Uh, coin flip guy. He had he had this game going as a loss for the Jets, uh, which I it wasn't. But hey, Mike White, not bad. <laughs> the J- Zach Wilson era is done. I'm sorry, it's it's a wrap. Zach Wilson now finding a future career as a Stephen Amell uh, Green Arrow lookalike. Yep. He'll be cosplaying the rest of his days. Mike White got that team motivated. This is the breath of fresh air they needed. Mm-hmm. Is it going to be the one to take him over the hump? I don't think so, no. but I will say this. It'll inspire him to make it real interesting at the end of the season. Yeah, it's going to be a real interesting run to the to the finale of the season with the Jets, but good win for them. Uh, the Washington Commanders bum, 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 bum. Uh, beat the Atlanta Falcons 19-13. to Ugh. Yeah. Just, ugh. Yeah. Uh, you had the Carolina Panthers beat the Denver Broncos 23-10. to Let's ride! You had the Jacksonville Jaguars beat the Baltimore Ravens 28-27, to although not with a little bit of effort from one Justin Tucker. Yeah, I will say this. God Any- damn. Anybody that's complaining about Justin Tucker, stop. Yo, this man was hitting 70-yard bombs in, in pregame. Yeah. If you haven't seen the video, look it up. This man was hitting field goals from the other side of the fucking logo. Yeah. He what w- the fuck? He didn't get enough on that last kick, but you know what? You can't put it on him. Man must be tested for Royds weekly. Yeah, he is, he was definitely trying to will that game. Good win for the Pan or uh, Carolina though. Or the Carolina, God, they kind of played like Carolina because yeah. you know what? They did sneak out that win, but Jacksonville, they did. they did. Wow, did not see this game going that no. route, but you know, a good win for the Jags. Gotta say that. Uh, the L.A. Chargers beat the Arizona Cardinals twenty-five to twenty-four. Any shocker here? No, no, no. Sorry, just no. The Las Vegas Raiders beat the Seattle Seahawks 40-34 to with an 86-yard walk-off touchdown from Josh Jacobs. Thank you, sir, for single-handedly winning one of my uh, one of my two fantasy games this week because it was looking a little dicey. I got a notification that he scored a touchdown on 86 yards. I went and looked. I'm like, oh, I'm going to win this game now. Okay. Same here, and he helped me beat my favorite Dolphins fan in fantasy football. <laughs> if you know, you know. Oh, I know. But... Salute to you, sir. Great win for the Raiders. Great win. Yeah. Uh, you had the San Francisco 49ers beat to the New Orleans Saints uh, 13 to nothing. Niners look great. Yep. Uh, and then the other two games uh, we already mentioned. That was the Eagles beating the Packers and then the Steelers beating the Colts. It's kind of a wild week of football, but you know what? The Thanksgiving week definitely gave a lot of headlines, and it's now going into that final month of the season. How is your team shaping up? That's the question we posed to you. Are we talking playoffs? Are we talking off-season draft? Playoffs? Are we talking let's go play Madden because, you know, my team's done? Let's have that discussion. Hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHPod. Week 12 of the NFL is in the books. Let's talk about it, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Welcome to the Couples Conversation Podcast. My name is JT. My name is Madison. And this podcast is exactly what it's titled. It is a couple having a conversation. We talk about life, we play games, and we love to make each other laugh, giving you a reason to laugh, too. Exactly. We record every Sunday and publish our episodes every Monday, so you can find us on every major streaming platform that you find podcasts. Apple, Anchor, Spotify, wherever you can find us. We hope that you enjoy these episodes. If you want to have a say in our episodes, you can send us a question by hitting us up on Twitter at ccpodcast underscore 22. We love to see you there. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and it's time to talk wrestling, mm-hmm. and it's time to talk war games. Yes. The WWE Survivor Series, the annual Thanksgiving pay-per-view that they always put on, has always been one of notoriety, but this year 
They took it up a couple notches because they introduced wall games mm-hmm. to it. The two-ring steel cage mayhem match that has delighted fans throughout the years. And this card gave a lot of headlines. Yeah. It's going right into a commercial-free first hour of Monday Night Raw. Yeah. Because obviously the buzz coming from this pay-per-view warranted it. And I definitely think moving forward, the WWE should really think about going commercial-free for the first hour of Monday Night Raw. I think it's a smart play. Especially after a pay-per-view. Oh, my God, yeah. Because there were so many headlines breaking down from this. We're going to give you our takes of what we thought was good, what we thought was bad, and what we thought of the big dog and the bloodline. Yeah, and this pay-per-view, obviously a smashing success for WWE because in the post, uh, post-card post whatever uh, media, scrum. Po- uh, scrum that Triple H and some of the wrestlers had, Triple H did say that this was the highest or the, like the biggest gate for survivor series in their history. This was the highest gate for a Boston event in their uh, company's history. And it was also the, uh, what was it? The most watched like premium live event uh, event in uh, WWE history. Now we have to break this down. Obviously since triple H has taken over the WWE since the summertime, obviously with Vince McMahon's yep. issues, <laughs> uh, he has really gone out of his way to really make it fun again mm-hmm. and really play into the fans. Not so much where he's changing everything for the internet. Yeah. He's really kind of got the temp of the room. Like we always call him the game for a reason. Yeah. Cause he understands it. Mm-hmm. And this card he set up perfectly. Yeah, he did. He has the best storyline going on in wrestling. Yeah. And he tied it in with this match. And mm-hmm. if you don't think that Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn are now becoming household names, both of them, you're sadly mistaken. Mm-hmm. But we'll get into that when we talk about that match. But that wasn't the one let off the card, now was it? No, uh, what let off the card was the women's wall games match uh, between Team uh, Bianca Belair and then Team uh, Damage Control. So that was Alexa Bliss, Asuka, Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair, and Mia Yim. Uh, taking on Bailey, Dakota Kai, Eoskai, Nikki Cross, and Rhea Ripley. Uh, and you had Team Bianca emerge victorious, winning via pinfall or well, double pinfall uh, in 39 minutes and 40 seconds. This match was everything an opening match should have been. Oh, it was incredible. The MVP of this was Dakota Kai because she took some of the most horrific bumps. Yeah, she did. In this match, she, at one point she took a power bomb from Bianca Belair to the side of the cage and Bianca did not hit her flush against the no. cage, and she went straight down. Yeah, she even shared a photo a photographer had snapped uh, for the company had snapped at one point, and she she put, she tweeted out the photo today as we record, and she put it up with the caption, me, why, why do I hurt so much? Also me, and it was her in that moment getting folded literally in half in between the ring ropes and the steel cage. Yeah, there's another time, too, with a backbreaker that did not go right. Yeah. Dakota was really proven... That she could hang in this. And one thing that was good that fans might not have known about, this was not the first time for her or Rhea Ripley in a War Games. I think for her, they said on the broadcast, it was her fourth time participating. And once you have that familiarity to this match, because let's face it, it's a lot to comprehend. It is. There's a lot of rules. There's a lot of stuff going on there because it's the two rings. Yeah. Each member, each team has two people start. Then it's about every two minutes somebody else gets entered. So until you get everybody involved, the match is not over. Yeah. So that being said, this lived up to the hype. It really was great to see. They went for the number one spot. They wanted to be the main event, and they were going there. Yeah. And you know what I say? This 
would have been probably the match of the night, except the storyline for the final match. And I we'll get to the triple threat when we get to it. But this was a fantastic opener. No, this this was fantastic. And I know the ring time or the match time was thirty nine minutes forty seconds. But in all actuality, it was more closer to an hour. Yeah. Just because they did everybody's individual intros and you know they had to go into the cages and whatnot. But no, this was incredible just because you, you could tell it was a powder keg waiting to blow. Mm-hmm. And you knew the powder keg wasn't going to blow until the final person from each team was in the in the ring. And just once and it was just one of those things where like it wasn't a slow build up, you know, it was just kind of going. And then when the foot hit the floor and the gas pedal went, it was just all all bets were off and it was fucking nuts. I mean, Christ. You know, EO Scott, EO Sky going to the top of the cages again, mm-hmm. which she's done in the past. Uh, Christ, at one point, I forget who it was. Somebody put her in a garbage can, and I'm like, oh, shit, is she going to do that thing with the garbage can like she did a couple of years ago? Yeah. You know, but her jumping off the top of the cage, you know, Becky Lynch doing, you know, what was it, like the, the leg drop, the double, yeah. the double leg drop from the top of the cage was fucking insane. And let's talk about that for a quick sec. Yeah. This is her return match from injury. Yeah, and, and I guess Triple H was saying during the the media scrum afterwards that like they were pitching the idea to her to you know to come back for this matchup, and she was kind of like, yeah, I don't know, is this right? Is this not? She went from that to like in a couple of days, you know, Triple H getting a text message saying Becky wants to know if she can do a, a double leg drop off the top of the cage for they finish the match. Yeah, well, I think they understood everybody in this match wanted to be the main event, and the, you know, like I say, this was a main event match. Yeah. It just happened to go on first, but that's nothing to sneeze at. This set the pace for the crowd. The crowd was feeding off this. The crowd was hot all night. Yeah, they were definitely excited. And I said, this match really delivered on it, carried through to the main event. Yeah. So did everything it needed to do. So phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, And speaking of phenomenal, uh, the next match was between the phenomenal AJ Styles, who uh, took on Finn Balor uh, in a singles matchup. And you had AJ Styles emerge victorious, pinning Finn Balor in 18 minutes and 25 seconds. Well, we knew this match was not going to be a snooze fest. No. This was going to be a great match. Oh, yeah. We knew. Obviously, AJ Styles, one of the best in the world. Finn Balor, same thing. Finn is now starting to get his just due mm-hmm. on the main roster. Mm-hmm. Albeit, though, the gimmick with the Judgment Day, a lot to be desired. It needs a little direction. It needs something added to it or rename them something else. Like, there's, yeah. there's something not clicking about it. Because, like, you can only come out on Monday Night Raw so many times when somebody from SmackDown is making an appearance and say, we run Monday Night Raw, and you're not coming through here without getting through us first. And it's like, do you run Raw? Do you really? Yeah. The only critique I have about this match that I didn't like was the masks everybody yeah. wore at the beginning. Yeah, I don't know what was, they were going that was with. Odd. But once you got in the the ring, everybody put on a clinic. Like this, yeah. this was damn yeah. near perfect. It, yeah. it it lived up to the billing. I would not mind seeing a best of seven of this. Oh, I wouldn't either. This is just great storytelling. Like they really put on a, a phenomenal match, and I would not doubt seeing a rematch happen at Mania. We could. I don't. I'm not going to say Judgment Day versus no. the OC. No. I think putting these two one on one and maybe just say like the losers faction disbands. Yeah, maybe. I could see that yeah, happening see here. It. But this no, this match was everything I wanted it to be. Just my one issue with the matchup was just kind of all the outside bullshit. You know, with with Judgment yeah. Day and the OC, where it's like, okay, these are two of the best, if not. You know, two two of the best in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to see them go at it. I don't want any outside nonsense going on. Which I I understand why they were there. I, I understand they got rid of them fairly quickly, so it was a straight up one on one match. But even for just, I just want start to finish. I wanted to see Finn versus AJ one on one. No outside bullshit. Didn't get it, but still, the match was incredible. It was phenomenal. So, like I say, I would not mind seeing that ran back at no. some time. So. 
Who knows? But I, I will say, even when they had the four on four on Monday night, yeah, and that four John, on four was fucking nuts. It was absolutely insane, and it definitely lived up to that first hour billing of commercial yeah. free. Like yeah. I was more excited about that than I was the fallout from Becky versus Damage Control, mm-hmm. which I thought they made Becky look too strong. Yeah, because she was holding her own against the biggest faction they have in the women's division. Yeah, I don't know how I felt about that. Yeah, but nevertheless, I was still happy with it. Still happy with the fallout from Monday night. <laughs> But one match I was not happy with, hey, we got to talk about it. So this was uh, Ronda Rousey taking on Shotzi for the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship. Uh, and you had Ronda emerge victorious, submitting Shotzi in 7 minutes and 15 seconds. Okay. First and foremost, I want to address something that's been going around the internet that I've seen quite frequently today. This whole hashtag fire Ronda Rousey. Mm-hmm. Pat, how are you feeling about that? Uh, well, from my understanding, uh, that whole thing is coming from a Sasha Banks stan account or, or something like the Sasha Banks. You know, because listen, as if you've been on the internet wrestling community for any amount of time, you know there are fans of certain wrestlers that are very passionate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Sasha Banks has some fans that are very passionate. And hey, two each of their own. Uh, but in terms of the fire Ronda Rousey, I mean, listen, do I do I enjoy watching her as an MMA fighter? Yes. She is one of the most dominant fighters of all time, you know, I have ever had the pleasure of seeing, and I'll put her men's or women's, mm-hmm. you know, straight up as a human being. She is fucking frightening as an MMA fighter. Mm-hmm. When it comes to to WWE and, and professional wrestling, it just doesn't do it for me. Do I want to fire her and get rid of her? No. But I just think for her style and just the way she presents it in the ring, it just doesn't do it for me. You know, and I understand what they're trying to do for her, but just, Lord, you're going to have a tough time doing it. I think it's asinine that people were starting that hashtag fire Ronda Rousey. I was not a fan of this match. I have said this on 607TWS. I have said this on Twitter. I have said this on every kind of social media I have. I am not hating on Ronda, and I'm not hating on Shotzi. Right. It just didn't work. No. And the biggest thing you have with Ronda is they are salivating at the idea of her versus Charlotte at Mania. Ugh. It's going to happen, whether Ugh. whether we like it or not. Ugh. And there's not a chance they're going to have Ronda look bad mm-hmm. going into it. They want her to be a dominant champion, which I get, but I'm going to stress this. We have to recognize that Ronda is not the greatest pro wrestler. She's fucking green. She's extremely green. She is not the Kurt Angle that just picks this up like second hand. Right. When you have her in the ring against somebody like Shotzi. Now, Shotzi is great, but the thing about Shotzi is Shotzi's not afraid to take some chances. Mm-hmm. She understands working in the indies. You want to get a big crowd pop. You know that this is the first time that she's gotten a title match to my recollection. As far as I can think of, yeah. And being on a pay-per-view with a lot of hype behind it, she went for a lot of crazy moves. But what came to be her downfall in this is there was a botched DDT to the apron that Ronda was not going with. And once Shotzi missed it, it was a bad miss. Right. They never recovered. Crowd tuned out. Other people tuned out. That's when you had the We Want Sasha chants that got muted. Yeah, well, and I wasn't able to watch that live. They were entirely cut out of the uh, rebroadcast. Yeah, like it was crazy to to think about. But 
once you lose the crowd in a match, uh-huh. it's done. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. There's nothing good to say about this. This was one of the worst matches I've seen in quite some time. No, and, I mean, same for me. I mean, listen, you know, and I know you guys brought this up on 607 TWS this week. Ronda is good when she's got an opponent that can carry her. Yes. When, when it's an Alexa, Charlotte, Becky, Bianca, you know, hell, even Rhea, I think, can carry can carry. Ronda Rhea probably could. You know, but Shotzi, Shotzi has got a lot of potential and she's got a lot of time left before the end of her career. Do I think she's got the potential to become one of the good good or great ones we've seen? Yes. Do I think she's going to go down as one of the best? Maybe, maybe not. Time will tell. Mm-hmm. But right now, do I think she's got the potential to be one of the great ones we've ever seen? Absolutely. Do I think she's there yet? No. You know, so should she be in there in the ring carrying Ronda? Honestly, no. Does she deserve a title shot? Yes. But do I think she can carry Ronda? Well, look at the evidence. No, she can't. But I also understand that you don't want to burn all the big matches, you know, before you get to to Mania or SummerSlam or whatever. This is all, unfortunately, this is where we typically hit this time of year with some of the title belt holders where they're all matches where it kind of fucking sucks, but it's just a stopgap until we can get to Mania. Yeah, and that's the problem you have here. Shotzi is a good wrestler. And I and granted, bad match. Yeah, good wrestler though. Yeah. So anybody is saying, "Well, you're being too critical." No, it's just when Ronda's in the ring with somebody, she needs somebody to carry her a bit. I'm sorry, the transition is just not there yeah. to where it should be. This isn't a slight against Ronda. It's just for some people, you can make that transition super easy. Kurt Angle is one. Brock Lesnar. Yeah. Well, he actually did the other way. So let me scratch that. But when you think about people that come in from outside mm-hmm. yeah. pro wrestling that yeah. don't do the indies that come yeah. in and really are athletes in other sports and they sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't yeah this is a situation with ronda where it doesn't and unless you have her with somebody that is on an elite level to to make up for a lot of that ground mm-hmm. it's going to be bad and she's been in the wwe for god since what 2018 2019 but remember she took time off Right, she took time off, but still, she's been in doing this, you know, for the last four or five years, whatever it is. You know, you would think at this point, you'd start to see some improvement. And yeah, she's had some good matches, but that's as a result of who her dance partner is. Yeah, exactly. That's the whole thing. You know, you would think at this point, you'd start to see some improvements and start, you know what? She's making some stuff. If She was a little rough around the edges at first, couldn't do some stuff, but you know what? She's really starting to show me some things. In this instance, not the case. But if you think about it like this, though. Who's she been paired with since she's came in? Yeah. She hasn't really done a lot with the lower tier of the card, yeah. in my opinion. She's always been in a high-profile match, as she should be with her pedigree. I'm not I'm not mad at her about this. But if you talk about it like she hasn't exactly been down in NXT working. Senator OVW. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, like but I think that maybe she's going to have to really work on certain things. Yeah. Because if you're going to be the top person in the division – you got to be able to carry some matches. And this is a situation where she's relying too much on somebody else to yeah. balance out. Yeah. And it's coming out bad. And this was just a bad night for both. And like I say, I think both will bounce back. Yeah. Shotzi will. So like I say, I'm not going to be super critical in that aspect. Right. This was just a bad match. And once you lose the crowd, they should just wrap it well, up. Well, and this is one that like if I were her, I don't know what her training regimen is. I just know that, you know, at one point she, and I don't know if she still is. She was training with uh, Brian uh, Kendrick. Rhonda was. Yeah. Yeah. Rhonda was. You know, you work with Kurt for the Mania match. 
reach out to Kurt, do some, get some pointers, get some advice. You know, all you hear all these legends and all these former wrestlers talking about wanting to pass on the information to the next generation and what have you, mm-hmm. and that they're more than willing to do it. You hear it in AEW, you hear it in WWE, TNA, whatever promotion it is. Reach out to Kurt, you know, because Kurt has made that switch yeah. from one sport to another, and one combat sport to another, com- to this combat sport. Mm-hmm. Reach out to him, get some advice from him. Hell, get some training from the guy. I know he's not going to wrestle ever again. No, but 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 still, he's an he's an avenue that he's worked with you. He clearly likes working with you. He likes giving you advice. Reach out to him, see what he says. They got to do some work there. Yeah, that's that's all there is to it. They just they have to find a way to make it work. Yeah. Uh, next up was the triple threat for the WWE United States Championship, and that was Seth Rollins defending his belt against Austin Theory and Bobby Lashley. Uh, and you had Austin Theory win via pinfall uh, in 14 minutes and 50 seconds to become your and new WWE United States Championship. Match of the night, in my opinion. I, uh, I love this match. This was good. I, I would say the main event was my match of the night, but this was a very close second. I will explain when we get to the main event why it was not. But this match had everything in it. it. The athleticism, the story they told, and for anybody that was doubting Austin Theory was going to be an afterthought after Vince McMahon was gone, congratulations. You definitely missed the mark on that. Even Triple H brought it up in the media scrum after the after the show was over. Where it's like, oh boy, you know, a couple weeks ago everyone was writing him off for dead, and now he's United States champion. Next thing you know, he'll be walking on water. Well, that's the whole thing that people like to jump to conclusions. Mm-hmm. And I, I I almost want to say too is like, where were you guys before when he was tagging on Monday Night Raw mm-hmm. as one of Seth Rollins' lackeys? If memory serves me right, something like that. Yeah. Way back when. Yeah. I know, honestly forget about it sometimes. Was waving the flag, you know, that Austin Theory's your guy. Like, listen, stop. I'm sorry. You need to kind of just let Triple H do what he does best. Mm-hmm. He sees talent. He knew with Vince in charge, Theory was going to cash in and do something with the briefcase. Yeah. They had to move it off him. Yeah. They did it a very smart way. Yeah. It works. And like, stop. Like, he's not going to get buried. He's got all the talent in the world. He's great on the mic. He's you getting know, better too. He, he, oh my god, it's incredible! Like he's already, you know, got, plays a great chicken shit heel mm-hmm. on the mic. It, it gets better. In ring, he's good. He's he's got some room to improve, but he's improving. You know, and just he's got all the intangibles that like you hate the guy for what he does in the ring. You know, so he's got all the upside in the world. And uh, and listen, I know some people wrote him off for dead. You know, a couple of weeks ago, but listen, you look at it and go, okay, we'll see where this goes. And you look and say, okay, the journey ain't bad. No, it's definitely not. So, like I say, we'll have to see where he winds up for Mania. Yeah, I don't. He's not going to be in a title shot there, but he's no. going to be in a high profile match. You would think doing something. I don't think. know against who, but he'll be in. He'll be there. And then War Games. Yeah. So the main event was the men's War Games match, which had the Bloodline uh, with Jimmy and Jay Uso, Roman Reigns, Sami Zayn, and Solo Sokoa taking on uh, Team Brawling Brutes. I guess you could call them. Yep. Uh, with Butch, Drew McIntyre, Kevin Owens, Ridge Holland, and Sheamus. Uh, and you had the Bloodline emerge victorious, uh, winning via pinfall in 38 minutes and 30 seconds. The greatest storyline in pro wrestling today. Uh, I would argue the greatest storyline since Gargano, Champa, and NXT. For me. It, you know, that's an honest debate. That's a really good debate. We'll have to pose that to the Page Society. Remember to do that after the show, Pat. We got to sure. do that. I will say this. The work that Roman Reigns has done mm-hmm. has been exceptional with the bloodline. Yeah. Since he's been champion, teaming up with Paul Heyman was the shot in the arm that him and the WWE both needed. Oh, my God, yeah. 
And now you have Sami Zayn in the mix. And I love what Paul Heyman said in the media scrum after. Mm -hmm. To paraphrase, it's like when you have somebody join a cast and they're supposed to be a guest star. Mm -hmm. It only lasts a couple episodes, but they're so good at what they do, they become part of the show. Yeah. That is what Sami Zayn has finally achieved. And no fault against him. He was finally given the opportunity to really let loose. Everything he's done being the honorary oos, the kid that's trying to hang out with the cool kids, Mm -hmm. no matter what, and is given the opportunity. And now he has really kind of overstepped the the group itself, and he has now become a household name. Mm -hmm. And to see that they went back to the well a little bit with Kevin Owens, his best friend, his real-life best friend, and the years that they've spent together fighting each other, teaming against each other, or teaming with each other. Like, they're the original fight forever. Like, we all need to remember this. To see now that they've tied in their storyline where Kevin Owens was trying to say, don't join the bloodline, you know, you got to turn on them before they turn on you. Yep. And Jey Uso heard this and then went to Roman Reigns about this. Yeah. And Roman looked him dead in his eye and said, are you with us? And he gave him the Godfather hug, too. Yeah. So we all thought that Sammy was done. And then we get to War Games. Uh huh. And what happens? So you had, what was it? Jey Uso start off the match in the ring with, uh, I forget which one of those. Butch. With Butch. They're going at it. And it'd be the, uh, what was it? At one point when it was the Bloodlines turn to send a guy in, Jimmy Uso was ready to run in. Mm-hmm. Roman sitting in his chair in the cage, stops him from going in. Says, no, nah, Sammy, you go. We're going we're gonna to solve this shit right now. You know, so it was it was Jay Uso and Sammy uh, who have not liked each other in the last couple of months. All of a sudden, forced to work together, and Sammy throughout the course of the event saved Jay like four times, five mm-hmm. times, something like that. You know, so you, you go throughout all the way through the match. You know, and then you get to uh, Kevin Owens basically trying to I don't want to say plead with him, but like trying to appeal to his better his better side. Mm-hmm. You know, his non heel side. And say, hey, listen, you know, you know what they're gonna do. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta go against it. And then Sammy, you know, or uh, Kevin went for the pin. One, two. Sammy stopped the ref from getting a three. Mm-hmm. And then later on in the match, you had uh, Sammy with the low blow on Kevin Owens, and then feeding him to Jey Uso to get the, uh, the frog splash or whatever it was for the pin for the uh, win at the end. Yeah, perfect storytelling. And then yeah. finally at the end, yeah. Roman gives Sammy the hug. And then Jay gives Sammy the hug. Like uh-huh. that moment, I was, uh-huh. and that crowd exploded. Like you talk about hitting the moment where it counts. And in the right time, yeah. Oh, my God. Like that was so perfect. I know. I apologize for yelling the mic there. But this is why we get invested into wrestling. And when these moments happen, and, you know, we understand what wrestling is. But it's that emotional connection you make that now you're so entrenched in this storyline that the moment that we've all been waiting to see how this is all going to play out happens. It was picture perfect. Mm-hmm. And this carried through to Monday night. Yeah. Where Monday night, you had the bloodline come out, mm-hmm. and Jay and Sammy made amends, the yep. big hug on there. Yep. They had Jimmy come in. They almost had the greatest group hug, which I think <sighs> AEW fans would have lost their minds about. Fucking Christ. Solo Sokoa. Teasing us with cracking a smile and then going in for the hug. Yeah. Fucking interrupted. Yep. By Kevin Owens. God damn it. And I will say this something I picked up in this promo. Yeah. He did mention about their history and how he was happy for Sammy. Yep. 
and how he thinks you know this is the best move and how they kind of tease i don't want a team with you yeah. ever again i don't want to do this with you yeah. ever again yeah when you heard this did you think the same thing i did well, I mean, they might be teasing or setting up something for me. You know, I know there was also the reports going on <clears throat> after the show uh, on Saturday where there was a uh, moment in the match where Kevin Owens, and you can go back and watch this, where Kevin Owens slapped Roman in the face. Yeah, he, he caught him in the ear. That was not planned. Yeah, and, that and, looked and, bad. And that was not planned, and so you saw Roman flex in his jaw. Reports are that there was a bit of a blow up backstage between the two, and but it has since. Uh, it, but from what I read uh, on Sunday, uh, about twenty minutes after it happened, they the two sides hashed it out and they're good. Yeah, and I'm sure it's heat of the moment. Yeah, he, not, heat of the moment. Not like he did on purpose. Heat of the moment, you know. But so there are rumors though that there was a possibility that uh, the Rumble was going to be Roman versus Owens, which that might change now from what I've been reading. We'll see. Um, you know, but in terms of them, it, it seems like they're doing the traditional old school. We're never going to do this again. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. See, I'm wondering if it's going to come out later down the road that Sammy and Kevin were doing this the entire time mm. to get to Roman. Maybe. And what I think you're going to have, and I still think you're going to have Kevin versus Roman at the Rumble. I could see it. I think you are. I think what's going to be the ultimate twist of everything is, Sammy is going to screw up royally there. Probably. Sammy's going to help Cody Rhodes win on accident because he's going to accidentally halluva kick Jay. <laughs> it's going to be something like this, and then the Rhodes lander wins. I'm sorry, I'm not buying this whole nonsense that the Rock wins. The only other way this plays out is if Sammy wins the Rumble. The Rock doesn't need the Rumble right, to, right. to face Roman. Right, right. But think about this for a second. Sammy wins. Yeah. He gets the title shot. Yeah. Roman is like, no, you're not. You're going to take the pin. And they say some back and forth. The turn happens right then and there. Yeah. Because Sammy won't give up the shot. They move it up to Elimination Chamber. Because where is Elimination Chamber? I have no idea. Montreal. Oh, oh, hello. If I'm not mistaken, it's in Montreal. I can look it up. Yeah. So think about that. Sammy Zayn getting a title shot in Montreal. How electric would that crowd be? That'd be insane. And then he doesn't win. Roman and the bloodline come out to beat him down after. Kevin Owens makes the save and they reunite. So, yeah, you are correct. Uh, February 18th, which is a Saturday, Saturday uh, from taking place from the Bell Center in Montreal, Quebec, Canada, is Elimination Chamber. Boom. It writes itself. And that's how the show is done, folks. So overall, I mean, I thought the I thought the match was great. Like yeah. I know we kind of got away from the match. Match was very solid. Match but, was match was awesome. But I will say I thought for total package, yeah. I thought the triple threat was a match of the night. I thought this was number two. And it was two A, and I, I'm gonna say the women's war games was two B. See if I had to if I had to you know, one through what is it, five, I'd put the men's uh war games match number one. The women's war games match number two, uh, the uh, triple threat number three, Finn AJ number four. Unless that's not a full, that's not a slight on Finn or AJ. There was just the matches ahead of them were much better. Mm-hmm. And then number nine hundred ninety nine is Ronda Shotzi. Yeah, exactly. It was a tough night for them, but listen, it's something they'll bounce back from. And mm-hmm. I think I think Triple H being the smart businessman he is, 
he's going to work with Ronda before we get yeah. to Mania. Like yeah. there, there'll be some some training going on. She might not be on TV for a little bit. Yeah, maybe because she'll be really locking it in for when she faces Charlotte. Like let's face it, it's going to happen. Yeah. In the meantime, though, ton of fallout happening from Survivor Series. So hit us up on the hashtag hashtag ODPHPod. What is your thoughts about WWE Survivor Series Wall Games? What did you feel about the ending with Sami Zayn now officially joining the Bloodline? And where do you think we're going heading towards WrestleMania? And if you're looking for more pro wrestling content, make sure to check out the latest edition of 607TWS on your favorite podcast provider. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Looking for a podcast all about nerddom? Want a podcast with an emphasis on representation? The Nerd Alternative is the podcast for you. Join me, Ram. Me, Hassan. And me, Levi. Three black British nerds tackling the pop culture we love and sharing why we love them. The Nerd Alternative, a sweet melting pot of all things nerdy. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pat, what you got? Gotta talk some local minute, and of course we gotta talk some hockey. Uh, Looking at the standings for the Federal Prospects Hockey League, that is the league that our local Binghamton Black Bears are in, uh, and specifically looking at the Empire Division. Uh, We are currently in Binghamton, and we, uh, Binghamton is currently in second place behind Dansbury uh, with, uh, what does it say? Uh, Dansbury has a record of, Jesus Christ, 12 wins, no losses, and uh, one overtime uh, loss. Uh, Binghamton, on the other hand, has a record of nine wins, four losses, and two overtime losses. They are currently head of Watertown, Elmira, and Delaware. Fucking Danbury. Goddamn. Uh, playing like the New Jersey Devils out there. Yeah. Uh, and then looking at the schedule they had for the past week, uh, they had a game on uh, Wednesday, November 23rd. That was at home where they lost by the final score of 6-2. to two. They had another game on Friday uh, that was on the road playing the Port here in Prowlers where they won that game by the final score of 5-3. to three. Uh, And then they had another game on Saturday against the same Port here in Prowlers where they lost by the final score of 5-3. to three. Uh, however, looking at this week's schedule, they do have two home games this weekend. Uh, both of them are against the Watertown Wolves, uh, and both games start at 7 o'clock Eastern. So Friday, December 2nd, 7 o'clock Eastern, and then Saturday, December 3rd at 7 o'clock Eastern uh, at the Visions Veterans Memorial Arena. Uh, for more tickets, information, and all that good stuff, BinghamtonBlackBears.com. Uh, then we got to talk a little soccer or football uh, because we are nearing the end of the group stage here in the 2022 FIFA World Cup. Not going to go through all the games and all the scores and all that. Uh, I will just read off of the standings uh, and specifically, uh, I'll just read through the standings. So uh, in Group A, you have the Netherlands in first place. Uh, I know they have moved on to the knockout round. Uh, Sengal is in second place. Uh, I know they have also moved on to the uh, second round. Uh, and Ecuador and Qatar are eliminated. Uh, Qatar, yikes! Not a good, Ew. not a good performance for you folks. Uh, no wins, no draws, three losses, and scored maybe one goal that entire time. Yikes! Yeah, thanks for playing. Uh, in Group B, you have England in first place, who has advanced onto the knockout round. The United States, uh, who drew against Wales. Drew against England. Hey, England, I, I realize a draw is a draw, but fucking your entire team's Premier League. <laughs> fucking Christ. The fact that we... That's like us beating the dream team. Exactly. That That's that's like, you know, Binghamton University here having a football team in, in Ty and Alabama. It's a fucking miracle. Uh, you know, so tied Wales, tied England. Win or go home against uh, Iran today as we record. Literally, they had to win or the, anything else, they'd be out. Scored a goal uh, in the 38th minute of their game today. Uh, with their captain who left the game while he played out the first half uh, and then left the game due to injury, collided with the the goalkeeper for Iran. Holy fuck, it was crazy. Uh, Also, this game took years off of my life because in soccer they're supposed to play 45-minute halves. 
I have obviously you get time added on because of stoppages and injuries and whatnot. So they get to the end of the first half and it's like an added five minutes. They went like six. Ooh. So it went to like 51 minutes. And then you got to the second half, and then they again supposed to go for another forty-five minutes, and so they go to ninety. Uh, you know, but then they got to the ninety, and because of injuries and other stoppages, nine minutes of added time were put on. Holy fuck! I was losing my mind watching this, but they did pull off the win and win one to nothing. Uh, so the U.S. has advanced onto the knockout stage. Uh, Iran is in uh, third place, and then Wales finished in fourth. They're both eliminated. Uh, in Group C, I don't know if some of these folks have made it on through, but I'll read the standings anyway. Group C, Poland is in first place. Argentina is in second place. Saudi Arabia is in third, and Mexico is in fourth. In Group D, you've got France in first place, Australia in second place, Denmark in third, and then Tunisia in fourth. Group E, you've got Spain in first, Japan in second, Costa Rica in third, and then Germany in fourth. Uh, group F, you've got Croatia in first, Morocco in second, Belgium in third, and then Canada in fourth. Uh, group G, you've got Brazil in first place. Shocker to no one. Yeah. Uh, Switzerland in second place, Cameroon in third place, and then Serbia in fourth place. And then in Group H, in a surprise to no one because, hey, that's the team uh, Ronaldo's on. Portugal is in first. Ghana's in second. South Korea's in third. And then Uruguay is in fourth place. So the thing to note with this is uh, the... People who or the people, the teams who finish in first and second advance to the round of 16. Positions three and four are eliminated. Some of those spots are already determined. As I mentioned, <clears throat> the United States is through, and actually their next game is going to come on Saturday. Uh, this is taking place at 10 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, it's going to be on Fox, uh, where they're playing the Netherlands. Hmm. So definitely keep an eye out on that. Uh, so it should, it should be good. I believe we will win. I believe that we will win. I believe that we will win. I believe that we will win. Yes. That's the chant. Yes. I don't know why, but that's the chant. Hey, it is. You know, it works. So I'll go with that. All right. So I got a couple quick things to wrap up the show with. One, we're going to talk some wrestling. We're not going to talk WWE. No, no, no. We're going to talk about a company that is making some moves. TNA. Ironically, in a sense. Holy shit. I was, I was being a smart ass. We just got the press release from Impact Wrestling. Legit, I was being a smart ass. Yeah, I know you were. So that's why I'm, I'm rolling with it. Like. You, and obviously, if everybody knows, TNA was the precursor before Impact Wrestling. Yep. But we are on the Impact Wrestling press list. Shout out to everybody over there. We do mm-hmm. appreciate that. And I'm going to quote the press release that we got. Anthem Sports, which is the partner or the parent company of Impact. Yep. Uh, and Dazen, or DAZONE, has announced an international multi-year distribution partnership for Anthem's Impact Wrestling. Oh, okay. So, cool. according to the press release, quote, Anthem Sports and Entertainment, a global media platform media company or multi-platform media company i should say and the zone a leading global sports entertainment platform announced today that an international partnership will deliver anthems impact wrestling to more than 170 countries worldwide beginning today november 29th mm. the multi-year agreement will give the zone viewers uh in 170 plus countries including the uk ireland switzerland australia austria france Poland, Spain, Italy, ne- the Netherlands, Japan, and Brazil—the best seat in the house to the best seats in the house to Impact Wrestling's weekly Impact flagship series, home to larger-than-life characters, high-stakes matchups, and blockbuster drama. Additionally, the Zone viewers will have to access to Impact's high-octane pay-per-view events and premium Impact Plus live specials, as well as select titles from Impact Wrestling's archives directly through the Zone platform. Nice. So. This is a big win for Impact. Yeah. I know that they don't get a lot of notoriety 
But I will say this. If you are an international wrestling fan that listens to the show, first and foremost, thank you for checking us out. We do appreciate it. Impact puts on some of the best pay-per-views you will see, and they get slept on quite often, in my opinion. They have arguably the best women's wrestling division in all of pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. Yes, I said that, and I stand by that. And they have very, very great matches. Storylines, some are good. Some really go off the deep end. Like, when they go supernatural, usually somebody winds up getting murdered. Wipad reasons. reasons. But listen, it is what it is. But I will say this. If you are a pro wrestling fan and you're in the international market, you definitely want to go check this out. And listen, if Impact's doing good, that's a good thing for everybody. So shout out to them. Super happy to see them getting some notoriety. I would love to see them on U.S. cable TV and an easy access platform. But, you know, when, yeah. I, when I catch them live, I love watching the show. And, yeah. you know, who's a big fan of Impact? Dog. The dog. Dog's bad. Dog's big in Impact. Dog. I wish. I'm going to put the karma out there for 2023. I wish Dog would write an Impact blog per week. I would love to see that because few people on this planet have as much passion for Impact Wrestling as than Dog. I mean this sincerely. Mm-hmm. This is not me being a smartass. This is me being 1,000% real with everybody there have been times we've been watching like ufc or like nxt pay-per-views when they were on saturdays or like something else and if there was an impact pay-per-view or impact anything on he'd be watching it yeah he'd have it on his phone watching yeah he would like he's that dedicated to impact so i know that the brass over at impact wrestling is listening listen i'm just saying if you want somebody to cover that religiously we'll be talking very very shortly about that we know a guy we know a guy, and he would do a damn good job, too. I mean this 1,000%. If you never had the opportunity to talk with Dog about this, listen, I will, I'll hook up the social media access so you can talk to him about this. But let me close out on kind of a really puzzling note for the UFC, though. Okay. So, unfortunately, there's been some bad news. Jiri Proshaka, uh-huh. who, who is the 205-pound champion, the light heavyweight champion, light heavyweight, yeah. has vacated the belt. Uh-oh. He has a very severe shoulder injury. Ooh. So he did the right thing, in my opinion. He announced he was vacating the belt. He was scheduled to face Glover Teixeira coming up next week, December 10th at UFC 282. So he's going to need surgery. And from what we're hearing, he's out indefinitely. Oh, so this is bad. bad. This is really, really bad. Not career ending, but he's going to be gone for a while. So what he did is he doesn't want to hold up the division, which, listen, I am applauding him on this. I think if you've talked to Pad, myself, Rich from 3FN, we hate interim champions. Yeah, we do. The the concept, listen, if you're an interim, forfeit the title, and then when you're healthy, come back and challenge the champion. That's what you should be doing. And I guarantee you that's what's going to happen here with him. I guarantee you this. But that being said... There's a major shift of what's going on involving UFC 282. Okay. Now in the main event for the title is Jan Blachowicz, former champion, against Magnov Ekalenov, who has been rising up the ranks. He's 18-1. This is going to be a fun fight when it happens next week. We'll talk a little bit more about it in depth next week. Uh, The co-main for that, though, has gotten bumped up, and that's the one only Patty the Batty. Patty, Ooh, Patty hey. Pimpleton's in now in the co-main event seat hey. for that. And on that fight card, too, is Robbie Lawler against Santiago Portillo-Bale. Mm-hmm. I, I apologize. I I know I butchered the name there. 
Uh, listen, I don't want to see Robbie fight right now. I'm nope. sorry. Like, no, nope. just at this stage, it's I, I love Robbie to death, but I'm just like, if this is it, then let him go out on a shield. And you know, poor Zabino is like, it's like watching a car wreck. It's ugly. Nobody wants to see it. Yeah. Uh, and they do have a, a serious, uh, good undercard for that one. So we'll talk about that next week, but Big shakeups going on there, Pat. What are you feeling about the decision for Yuri to vacate the belt? I mean, hey, listen, if he is in a position where he's like, I'm going to be out nine months to a year before I can even consider coming back, smart call. You know, I, I hate, you know, because I know Connor did this for years where Connor went off and did his own bullshit, but he tied up that division for so long because he was the belt holder and Dana wouldn't strip him and yada, yada, yada. I hate getting a division tied up because of whatever reason it can be. So good on them to. You know, for him to say, hey, I've got this injury and, and good on UFC for saying, all right, fine. You know, you're not going to be able to defend it for so uh, how many long it's going to be. We're going to have to take it off of you. Yeah, no. That, I, that said, if he if he comes back, instant title, instant title shot, because, hey, you technically never lost it. You know, it was circumstances outside your control. Just don't make it a fucking interim champion for the love of God. Yeah. And that's the smart thing that I think they're doing here. So I love the fact that he did this. I hate the reason that it did happen like this. But I'm okay with the circumstances that are going on with this because you don't want to hold up the division. I know some people were online complaining that Glover Teixeira should have got the title shot. He did not want – I believe I was reading he was not ready for facing Magnov okay. in, in the title fight, so he wanted more time. So it's not to say that he won't get the winner of this, which I think he's going to. I think he's going to get the winner of Blahovitz versus Magnov. So I would love to see that go down. Um, we'll kind of have to wait to see how this all shakes up when it happens. But I say I applaud this move by Yuri. I applaud this move yeah. by the UFC. Yeah. You're not holding up your division. Somebody's been hearing us finally yeah, really. about this. And I know this week is going to be a UFC fight night. Uh, Wonder Boy, Stephen Thompson taking on Kevin Holland. Hey, A lot of trash talk is going to be said by one man in that yeah, match. Uh-huh. Just one. But definitely a solid fight uh, card going on that. Jack Hermanson's fighting. Uh, to the uh, Vosa, you know. Oh, yeah, Shuey. Shuey is going to be fighting on there as well. Uh, the co-main is going to be Javier Dos Anjos against Brian Barberea. So th- that's going to be a solid one in welterweight. So definitely a solid night of fights going on. UFC is making some moves, so definitely something to keep an eye on. And like I said, we'll talk a little more in depthly about UFC 282 next week when I got a little more information on what's going on. But I will say this. I love the fact that you're going to have a title fight to end that night. I absolutely love it. That being said, for anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. That's all for the sports edition this week. So for the one only Padawan J. Based off the news this week, now more than ever, fuck the Astros. I second that wholeheartedly. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you as always for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time. This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideroom Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go where I know one.